The following is a recording of the Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We are located in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. We are also located on the web at www.tpuuf.org. Please come visit us. Well, hello to the people that came out on New Year's Eve, the Spartan band here. Thank you for coming. Uh, welcome here on our uh, end of 2023 service, where we're going to be celebrating something maybe we don't celebrate enough, joy, as we go into the new year. So we welcome everyone here, no matter what your background is, no matter what your 
immutable characteristics are. We welcome everyone uh, as we go on a search for a responsible search, I should say, for truth and meaning. And today's service is a little different. It is on, as I said, something that brings us joy. And there were four guys who brought people a lot of joy. And I was practicing this, and then I was doing a John Lennon impersonation, but it was too cringe <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I did it. <laughs> as the young, youngins say. So I will, uh, I will say it in my normal Philadelphia accent. Uh, this is what John Lennon said about the phenomenon of the Beatles in 1970 when the group broke up. He said, and I, I'll try my best to not go into John Lennon's voice. He said, we were just four guys. That's all, we were just a band. I met Paul, I asked him to join my band, or he said, me band. Asked him to join my band. Then I asked George to join. Then I asked Ringo to join. That's it. We were just four guys who made it very big. That's all. That was his take on it. Uh, Gina will now light the chalice with the reading. The chalice lighting this morning, the words are by Ben's soul. Out of the darkness light, out of the light warmth, out of the warmth joy, out of the joy togetherness. May this flame hold us for the time we are here with one another. And as I light the peace lamp, um, may peace be with us. Would you please repeat the words? All right, uh, rise as you are willing and able, and hopefully you'll sing. Uh, and go to the sides here as we do our gathering song. Uh, and these, you know, I speak about joy, but you're going to see uh, these, maybe some of these people are having a little too much joy. This is Shea Stadium in 1965. Um, as you'll see, as the Beatles sing eight days a week, the, the genesis of this song was they had to knock out a bunch of songs for another album, and Paul had been speeding very fast uh, and got a ticket so he couldn't drive so his driver he, he said to his driver so are you busy and the guy said oh yeah eight, uh, working eight days a week and he said ah that's our song <laughs> and he went to john and they came up with this song so please rise and sing
Um, this morning, we have uh, three speakers. They're all a little younger than me because I told Mike I was uh, 10 years old when the Beatles came to the United States on the Ed Sullivan Show, and I really had nothing to say. I mean, they were so much a part of my life, even to the point that a year ago, I, I was trying to teach my granddaughter back there how to twist and shout. Do you remember that, Hannah? So, uh, this morning, um, people who have a little bit more to say, we have Mike, Karen, and Nicole. Uh, thank you, Gina. Uh, you know, when I'm, I'm a member of the worship committee, and when I uh, brought this idea up, um, you know, there was some talk about it, and I said, you know, we all have our hobby horses on, on the worship committee, and I said, if you're going to have a service by me, you're going to get a Kurt Vonnegut quote. You're just going to have to accept that. So I based this service on a Kurt, uh, a Kurt Vonnegut quote, which I've used before. In one of his last books, Time Quake, he talked about being, he said, the purpose of an artist is to make us appreciate being human at least for a little while and someone said well has anyone ever really done that and Vonnegut answered the Beatles did <laughs> and that's why we're here to talk about the Beatles today each one of us was born after the group broke up in 1970 Yet, that was 53 years ago. <laughs> Yet, they continue to bring joy and, uh, to our lives and even my children's lives who like their music. Something about them. For some reason, these four working class guys out of Liverpool tapped into some kind of magic. Cynthia Lennon, who was John Lennon's first husband, 
I'm sorry, first wife, excuse me, <laughs> duh, her first wife said that uh, she heard John Lennon playing, you know, his guitar and singing. She thought, oh, that's nice. Then his friend Paul came and they started singing together and she said something happened. The hairs on her neck stood up, that they had some kind of their harmonies had some something that she, some kind of magic that she hadn't heard. For some reason, their voices worked together perfectly. Um, now, I'm not going to do, and none of us is going to do, a history of the band. You can read biographies of that. You can go attend Beatles conventions. I'm not going to go how they started out in 1957 as the Quarrymen, went to Germany as the Silver Beatles and eventually became the Beatles with Brian Epstein, their manager, the guy you saw in that video who was watching them from the side. Uh, the music speaks for itself. I want instead to focus on recognizing things that bring us joy. The fact is, there have been a few moments in my life which I wish I could freeze in amber. That, wow, that was something. And I said it, I think, on the Father's Day service when I was asked to talk about that and I talked about the birth of my first son. Um, and the fact of the sad fact of the matter is we're not evolved, we're not hardwired to be able to experience joy for long periods of time. Uh, our ancestors, going way back, were prey. We do not come from apex predators, lions that can lay around and be happy all day, not a care in the world. If we experience joy for long periods of time, we, we would be vulnerable. So we have evolved to have a negativity bias. People say, it's, it's hardwired in our brains. People say, oh, you're so negative. Well, <laughs> we're evolved that way to, have a ne to be negative. We're constantly looking for problems and solutions, and we can't turn it off. <laughs> so all of this makes our experiences of joy that much sweeter because it's so fleeting and rare. And to the extent the Beatles have done this for me and countless others, others around the world, I have to be grateful. Now, as this new year starts, I don't have to tell people, it will no doubt be full of a lot of things to worry about and problems. But I invite all of you to think of who your Beatles are. What brings you joy? Appreciate that. And to paraphrase what Kurt Vonnegut said, what makes you appreciate being alive, at least for a little while? And as I said, for that, I have to be thankful for this chance, just group in Liverpool that has brought me joy over the years. Now we'll have uh, Karen Kaiser speak.
Hi, I'm Karen Kaiser. Um, I'm a teacher, and one thing I always tell my kids when they do a presentation is don't wing it, which is exactly what I'm going to do today. <laughs> but there's a, there's a reason for that. There's a method to my madness, and it has to do with most of my life. If you'd asked me about the Beatles, I could go on about them nonstop for as long as you would like. So hopefully I'm going to rein it in, and Mike will give me a... a he'll, signal. It's going to really help because he's behind me um, if I'm going on too long. Um, so my Beatles journey starts when I was 12 years old, 1983, and it started with a movie. You know, it wasn't a Beatles movie, although the Beatles were involved in movies, and I'm, this isn't supposed to be a history lesson, so I won't tell you those were A Hard Day's Night, Help, Magical Mystery Tour, Let It Be, and they were also involved in the animated feature Yellow Submarine, but I'm not going to tell you that. The movie was uh, called I Want to Hold Your Hand, and it was really not about the Beatles. It was about this phenomenon called Beatlemania, and it's listed uh, um, as the genre is uh, historical comedy because it has some historical value. It follows four fictional youths in their quest to go to New York City to hear the Beatles, and it is crazy. It's, it's outrageous. And I remember asking my mom, was it really like that? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it kind of was. And this was something the Beatles themselves commented on when they uh, landed at uh, Kennedy Airport in uh, New York City on February 7th, 1964 to play at the Ed, uh, Ed Sullivan Show on February 9th, 1964. But this is not a history lesson, but <laughs> this is how I was at age 12. I was insufferable. I made people nuts. And they stayed at the Plaza Hotel. So, <laughs> but when they came, when they arrived, they they were stunned that all of these people, all of this crush of fans had showed up and they were screaming and the Beatles actually thought, wow, somebody famous must have arrived. They had no idea what they were in store for, uh, what was in store for them. So getting back to me at 12 years old, I was like, what is, what is all the fuss about this? What are some songs that they did? And I was surprised to find that I already enjoyed some of their songs, I just didn't know who they were by. So songs like uh, Let It Be, um, Yesterday, and I was like, oh, I already, I already enjoy some of these songs. So I wanted to get a Beatles album. The first album that I got was, um, was a compilation album. It was this one. So 20 greatest hits, and the reason I brought this in for show and tell is that Mike told me that he had the same album. It was his first one, but because he's younger than me, he had it on cassette. So I wanted to bring this in to show this uh, spring chicken. This is, this is what vinyl looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a little bit about me at age 12. It was, a, it was a rough year for me, and I've had rough years since, but at 12-year-old me, uh, at uh, you know those 12 long years, this was a particularly uh, ex existentially difficult year. I started out this school year with pneumonia and uh, quickly fell behind in my studies. In, uh, you know, an example of lightning striking uh, twice in the same place, both of my parents wound up with serious, different serious illnesses that landed them both in the hospital in overlapping uh, time frame, 
So at 12 years old, I was at home taking care of the household, getting my, uh, my younger sister, four years younger than me, up for school. It, it, was, it was rough, and it was dark. And my parents didn't have a lot of money. They couldn't afford to keep the, the heat on real high. And I was, uh, my bedroom was upstairs with not a lot of insulation. We hung um, a thermal blanket that my father had from the Navy over the, the window to keep the cold out. It did not succeed in doing that. It did succeed in, in blocking the light out. So it was dark, it was cold. So every day after coming home from school and after finishing my homework, that's not true. I didn't. I didn't do my homework. I went. <laughs> I immediately turned on my uh, my stereo to the Beatles, and um, I let that that music course through me. That great, gave me great joy. This was in the 1980s when everybody was listening to Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince, Duran Duran. Um, so I wasn't into that, and and even now, you know, I it it doesn't surprise me that you know the the 1980s was the decade that good taste forgot that I was interested in the Beatles. I don't know what was wrong with my with my classmates, but I can remember enjoying um, sitting in my closet, which sounds weird. It, it, it is it's just kind of weird, um, but the acoustics were better and it was, it was warmer, more insulated, strumming my guitar and singing along to the Beatles song, songs, and this is what got me through this, this rough time of life. Now, so, you know, Christmas comes along, what do I want? I want a Beatles album. My birthday in February comes along, what do I want? I want a Beatles album. When I turn 13, I start taking on babysitter gigs, I take all of my money, I buy Beatles albums until I mast them all, again, on vinyl. I'm, I'm that old. Um, so this is... You know, when Mike asked me to speak today, I felt like, oh, my time has come. I've been practicing for this my entire life. Um, <laughs> see, I, I can go, I'm, I'm remembering even more now. So, you know, that unsufferable 12-year-old uh, me in school for my book report, one of my book reports, I did a, a book on the history of the Beatles because I had, I got many of them, um, you know, because it's such a, a classic of literature. And my English teacher, I think because she felt sorry for me, let me do it. My art project, um, we were supposed, we were given a, a piece of paper about this size and told to recreate one of our favorite albums, which, which I did. A little bit unorthodox in the 1980s. Um, but yeah, so I, I could go on uh, nonstop about uh, how much the Beatles, it, you know, the joy that they brought me has influenced my life. But I want to close with something. I, I had no idea that Mike was going to talk about his, um, the birth of his son. I want to mention the birth of my twins because when they were born, I had not yet decided on a name for the second twin. So in my delauded-induced haze in the, in the hospital, I was thinking of the Beatles song Across the Universe with uh, the refrain, Jai Guru Deva Om, and I went, Deva, that's her name. So she knows that she was named after a random word in a Beatles song, and if she hears that, she goes, that's my song. <laughs> so um, I hope I didn't speak for too long. Griffin? Okay, thanks. We'll now have uh, Nicole come up and speak.
Okay, picture this. Arcola Intermediate School, which I think is about two or three miles that way. The year 2000, a new compilation album of the Beatles came out, the One album. You may have seen this one, the big red cover with a big yellow one on it. And a new wave of Beatlemania swept through the middle school for who knows, probably the 10th time in the last 35 years. Um, I was in the sixth grade and I got caught up in this wave and my dad caught wind of this and he goes, if you like that, I have some of their actual albums. And he gave me Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and Magical Mystery Tour, which I think are two very whimsical, innocent sort of starter albums for a middle schooler. Good choices, dad. Um, I took to them immediately and then um, a while later, he goes, if you like the Beatles, I have something else for you. It gives me the best of Simon and Garfunkel. I listened to that on repeat over and over for a couple months. And then if you like that, Moody Blues, Days of Future Past. So the Beatles were my gateway drug to becoming just a classic rock junkie in general. Um, <laughs> but back to Sergeant Pepper and three ways the Beatles have made me appreciate being alive. The first one is creativity. Um, when I was in my listening to Sergeant Pepper 24-7 uh, phase, one Saturday with a uh, box of colored pencils and a blank poster board, I created a panoramic view of a fantasy carnival that was covered in smiley faces, much like this one. Very similar color scheme, very trippy. I wish I still had a photo of it. Um, and to this day, I like to listen to the Beatles while I am writing, which is something I have in common with Mike's hero, Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, the second way the Beatles have made me appreciate being alive, or I guess, appreciate is maybe not the right word, but they, they brought me comfort when I was already feeling exquisitely and painfully alive. Um, a few months after I first got into the Beatles, um, when I had nabbed Abbey Road out of my dad's collection, which is, I think, a little bit more darker, a little bit more grown up for a 12-year-old. But um, at about this time, I had my first serious crush, and I couldn't tell anyone because it was on another girl. And um, my parents thought I was a good Christian kid. Remember, this is the year 2001, and my peers didn't need any other reasons to uh, make fun of me. So I didn't tell anyone. Um, but I felt understood in some way by the B-side medley on Abbey Road. Uh, the longing for simpler past, the frustrations of a turbulent present, the hope for a freer and braver future um, in that, I think, what, 12 minute jumble of little songs. It all resonated very deeply with me. Um, the Beatles and I were both on the cusp of something. They were breaking up and I was growing up. And um, incidentally, I think there's something very bittersweet and beautiful sometimes about the last album that a band makes before they break up. Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water, the Moody Blues' Seven Sojourn, and the Beatles' Abbey Road are three of my favorite albums. And they all came when the band was just at their wit then and just putting everything they had left into it, all the uncertainty and the hope and the fear. And their expression of that just 
exquisite and painful uncertainty somehow made me feel less alone as a closeted kid in the early 2000s. And the third way the Beatles have made me appreciate being alive is camaraderie. As I mentioned, um, it was a big bonding thing with my dad for me to become a Beatles fan. He was thrilled. And now, some 20 odd years later, um, classic rock is one of the less complicated ways that we can still talk to each other, we can still bond. It's something we share that hasn't become difficult <laughs> over the years. Um, but my memories of time in school are also just peppered with Beatles music, even though I was in school in the first decade of the 2000s and not the 1960s, middle school, high school, even college. I had friends start to catch up and get into the same awesome music, a lot of classic rock, but including the Beatles. Um, for my 21st birthday party, my friends were like, we can watch any you know, DVD that you and Leslie have in the apartment, which was a lot. And um, I picked the movie Help. <laughs> um, so I, I remember um, playing request on the student lounge piano and the two things that I knew how to play and everybody knew were hymns and Beatles music. And it was a Christian school. Um, a friend once dared me to keep replaying the end of Hey Jude over and over and see how long it took before people started to realize we've been na 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 for a long time now. Um, I didn't get very far before one of the guys in the group decided to go 110% on Paul's little Hey Jude, Hey Jude, Jude riff. And uh, I started cracking up, and that was, that was the end of that. Um, <laughs> A group of us saw Across the Universe, another film. I can't mention um, the Beatles, you know, their music lends itself to film, but it's great. I think it came out in 2009, Across the Universe, very trippy sort of coming of age saga of these young adults in the 60s. And we saw it and everyone in the theater was singing along at the end. And it just, it reminded me that the Beatles music is, it seems just made for sharing. And I think that that's a part of why it makes so many people appreciate being alive, because it brings us together. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Nicole. I, we were going to have, uh, I, what she said just reminded me of a movie, uh, that came out a few years ago called Yesterday, about a a magic a guy who uh, something weird accident happens and he's the only one who remembers the Beatles, and so he googles the Beatles and uh, actual Beatles come up and googles John and Paul and Pope John Paul II come up. So he thinks uh, so he starts actually playing Beatles songs and everyone thinks he's great. Uh, the, the message of the movie is, you know, he thinks, oh God, I'm a fraud, I'm copying these songs. The message is, what's important is that these songs bring people joy. That they have this power for some reason to make us appreciate being alive, at least for a little while. Now, Nicole mentioned uh, the second side of Abbey Road. As we get ready to, for Joys and Sorrows, I want us to, we're going to actually play a small part of, of that uh, called uh, Golden Slumbers. So the, if you wish to share a uh, joy or, or sorrow holding you down, 
Uh, you can come up to the mic in a, in a few minutes as we first, first meditate on the uh, song uh, Golden Slumbers. One stores away to get back homeward. One stores away to get back home. Sleep pretty, darling. Do not cry, and I will sing a lullaby. Sing a lullaby One stores away To get back home One stores away To get back home Sleep pretty darling Do not cry I will sing a lullaby. We can bring this time of sharing to a close. We will not be singing Spirit of Life. And in fact, I will turn it back over to Mike to explain what we're doing instead. Uh. This, we're going to be singing a fun song. Uh, the Beatles, if you noticed, each one of the four Beatles had, uh, had specific fans, you know, people that liked, oh, I like George, or I like Hall, or whatever. Um, so they had to, they had to, and most of the songs were written by Lennon, McCartney, and, and George Harrison, so they, every album had to have at least one Ringo song, because he wasn't really writing the songs. So they, it, when they were making the album Revolver in 1966, they had to come up with some song. And John Lennon first started strumming a guitar and started singing, uh, in the town where I was born, no one cared, no one cared. And Paul picked that up and somehow turned it into yellow having Yellow Submarine. And then they, eventually they got um, Mia Farrow and the guy who played Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> Uh, to 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 make sound effects on this song just being silly and we will all be singing uh this this is a version uh, from an animated movie made in 1968 uh stand if you're willing and able for a fun joyful song in the town where i was born lived a man who sailed to sea and he told us of his life in the land of submarines so we sailed unto the sun till we found the sea of green and we lived beneath the waves in our
Our closing words today are written by John C. Morgan. In the river, the water continually flows, yet the river is ever there. Our lives flow in endless song, yet life and joy shall never end. As we extinguish this chalice, and, but not the light that it brings to the world, <clears throat> Our closing song uh, is from the Beatles album Rubber Soul in 1965 and was written by John Lennon as he was riding a taxi around Liverpool and looking at the places he went as a child. And I think maybe, think of the joy maybe you've had as a child in your youth and uh, as we sing this song. I love 